And today we go to 2 Samuel chapter 18. 2 Samuel chapter 18. We try to do each, each and every week just uh, dissect one chapter, sometimes two, most of the time one. And one day we will get to... So somebody asked me the other day, Pastor, how are you going to do when we get to Proverbs and, and Psalms? <laughs> so, uh, the Lord will guide us through, uh, to make our journey through Psalms and Proverbs. Because, you know, Psalms and Proverbs, there's a lot of meat in there. So anyway, uh, so if you could, if you could open uh, to Second Samuel chapter 18. Let's look at verse 31 and verse 32. Then we will dissect this chapter. Let's look at what it says there. It says, And behold, Cushai came, and Cushai said, Tidings, my, my lord the king, for the Lord had avenged thee this day of all them that rose up against thee. And the king said unto Cushai, It is the young man Absalom, save. And Cushai answered, The enemies of my lord the king, and all that rise against thee to do thee hurt, be as that young man is. And the king was much moved and went, and went up to the, to the chamber over the gate and wept. And as he went, thus he said, O oh my son Absalom, my son Absalom, would, would God that I died for thee. Absalom, my son, my son. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, for sure, Lord, here we see a rebellious son. A son that revolted against his own father. But we also see the pain of a father's heart. Even though the son went the wrong way, he was still loved by the father. And Lord, is not the heart of every father. Lord, even uh, David says here, you would die for him if he could. Lord, we all say the same thing about our children. If we could take their pain, their sorrow, we would. Lord, I pray tonight, Lord, give us something we can... Apply to our lives, we can take home, and more than anything, Lord, that your name will be lifted and glorified tonight. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So tonight we're going to look, of course, journey through the Bible. We're looking at, tonight the title is, Sometimes it's just sad news. <laughs> Sometimes it's just sad news. Uh, I said this before, and I'm going to repeat myself once again. Life is made of seasons. And in every season of life, there are obstacles that we face. There are seasons, like, you know, like uh, you go through the year and you have uh, seasons. You have the winter and you have then spring. Then you have summer, right? Then you have the fall. Then the winter comes again. There's seasons. And with the seasons, you see the changes, right? You know, the winter like, is like nature is like, like sleeping, so to speak. You know, everything is so sad. I don't like the winter. No leaves. It like just trees hanging in there. You know, right now I have, it's interesting. Uh, I have, uh, you know, where I live, many woods, uh, I have many dead trees. <laughs> but in the summer it's nice because you can't see them. <laughs> All the cover up with the other trees with the leaves. But I mean, so they look good in the summer. But in the winter, oh, you can tell them. They're dead, right, sticking up. But anyway, so you see, we have seasons, of, uh, seasons that we go through. And uh, we adapt to those seasons. But there's also seasons in our own life. There are seasons of laughing. There are seasons of joy. There are seasons of pain and sorrow. There are those seasons that we go through. 
Uh, and all of us go through that, some more than others. But we all have seasons. Uh, some, uh, uh, if you say, well, I never have seasons of pain, well, just hold on because it might come your way. You know, that's the way it is, you know. Um, I see people, for an example, they've been healthy all their lives, and suddenly just, it comes uh, the problem with health. Uh, but there are seasons. We all have those seasons. So in every season of life, there are obstacles in, that we face. There are uh, times of joy, like I said, and gratitude with friends and family. But there are also times of which uh, is one bad news after another. Goodness, I was watching a, sh- a show yesterday. I was kind of watching a little bit because I was doing something else. Actually, I was working outside, uh, and I came in. It was already almost 9 o'clock. Uh, my wife was watching something, so I sat down. And I realized this, interesting because I was going to teach this message tonight, is that, that this guy gets up in the morning, and is like he gets up, and, and I can see him. He puts his hand he sits down in this little coffee shop outside, and, the, and he, gets a co- he grabs a cup of coffee, sits down, puts his hand on his, on his forehead, and he says, hey, one problem after another since I get out of bed this morning. <laughs> like, <laughs> he was sorry for himself. He said, what else? <laughs> and as he's speaking, here comes his father, sits with him, and his father sits down with him, and his father just let him have it. And he goes, oh, my, what else I'm going to have today? So <laughs> sometimes it's like that. Sometimes our days, I just like, it just come with one thing after another. It just all day long. So you say, I just, we need to go to bed. I like that commercial that says, want to get away? <laughs> sometimes I just want to get away, right? <laughs> so, so my question to you tonight is, do you have, do you, uh, do you been there in those seasons of life on which Sometimes it just trouble all day long. You get up in the morning and one trouble, well, another trouble, another trouble, another thing. So, well, I think that all of us been there one time or another in this journey of life. Bad news, bad news, nothing bad, but bad news. So nothing but bad news, one after the other. And sometimes we find ourselves in the midst of all those bad news. We're looking, and we're looking forward, and we're looking, actually, we, we, we're looking up and saying, Lord, how long is this going to go on? Ever been there? Yeah. Of course. When I was going to, when am I going to have a break of all this, Lord? Is there a, a light in the end of the tunnel, like we say? And sometimes it seems like, you know, it just keeps on going. So, folks, we want to live in a trouble-free world, don't we? Who likes troubles? I mean, some, some people like a little drama, believe me. Some people, they like a little drama. They don't think life is fun without a little drama. They got to have a little thing, you know, something to go on. Uh, some people are like that. Uh, I have some guys that work with me, they, 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 we call them the drama, the drama queens. <laughs> they always have something going on. It's like... Goodness, there's always something, you know. Uh, right now, there, there, there is a big thing right now about the, the exhaust fans we have in the place. It's just like the big drama going on about that. But anyway, they feed on those things. I personally, I like to live in a trouble-free world, you know, like get up in the morning, enjoy the day, singing songs to my Savior, you know, witness the people, and then just go on enjoying the day. I, that's the day I look, look, a peaceful day, you know. So, but that's not like that all the time. But we like to live in the trouble-free. I think most of us like a, a, a trouble-free world. Most of us don't like problems, and most of us would love to, to be free of problems. But, of course, we live in a world loaded with problems, and as much we don't like, sometimes, you know, we open the door and problems is they like, hi, I'm coming in. <laughs> So the problems do that to us. So 
Uh, let me say this. We live in a world, of course, the problem is that, is that there is so much, uh, such a thing, there's uh, 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 no such a thing as tr a trouble-free world, even though we strive for that. We live in a world that is, is satanic-driven, of course. We live in a world with, with everybody of a sinful nature. Nobody's perfect. Everybody makes mistakes, and some people are really, you know, evil, so to speak. We, we have a, a being called Satan who constantly is tempting us to do wrong. So we would never be surprised about, don't ever be surprised about sad news or bad news because they come. So they will, they will come and sometimes they come in truckloads. So now, tonight, let's look at once again at David, the king of Israel. So let's look at this man, the man after God's own heart. We could say, well, goodness, if I have a, a, a heart after God, I will be trouble free. No. You know, the Lord says, in this world I shall suffer tribulation. This world, there's always going to be tribulation. Uh, so let's look at, that, at the king, as the king on which was going through a season right here of just sad or sad news. So let's look at this from several points. Number one, we see tragedy in the family. From verse 1 to verse 8, we see tragedy in the family. So from the previous chapter, we can see a continuation of great conspiracy uh, to overthrow David uh, to the point or even kill him if it's necessary to take over the throne. His son won the throne, and his son was, was, uh, was going into great conspiracy to get his father out of there. So in other words, someone else had his eyes on the throne of Israel, and David was standing in the way. But the, uh, 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 but the sad story about this whole thing is that the person on which uh, uh, eyes were on the, on the whose eyes were on the throne was no one else but someone in the family, Absalom. Let me put it this way: uh, in the workplace, did you ever have somebody that was after your position? I mean, if you want to, I, I mean, who works in a workplace these days? I know you uh, have your own business. You work for yourself. Nobody's after your position. That's good. <laughs> but those of us who work in, 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 in companies, corporations, you know, they, uh, some people sometimes come along. And you can tell they want your position. I'll give you this, a story. Okay. So I do, I'm a jack of all trades in my job. But I, when I went uh, on vacation in May, um, when I came back, I was doing a job. I was expediting some jobs. And I was doing that for a long time. When I came back, I realized that, Somebody took my job. <laughs> I'm like, wow, they were waiting for me to go on vacation. So I, you know, I went, I went, took to the manager, said, what was the idea? I said, I went away two weeks and you guys just, well, we want a person to do all this, all that. All right, okay, fine. If that's what you want, I don't get paid for it either. Anyway, so I went to do my job. Oh, you know, so I just, I pray that it's not the person's fault. I don't know if it was the person's fault. I don't know if he tried to get my position or not. Maybe he did. Thing is, he doesn't talk to me. I don't know why. But anyway, uh, after th about three weeks, he comes the manager. Could you please, please, please take the position back? I said, why? It's a mess down there. I said, well, you guys kick me out. <laughs> Deal with it. They go, no, no, we need you down there. It's like, really? So, I mean, but I felt a little, uh, this like sour taste. I'm like, did that guy really try to get my position he did so i had to pray for the, the lord not to i don't want to be bitter towards because i see the guy every day so i had to straight up that it was a big mess but anyway so i can see right here david is on the throne and his son wants to take that throne so we see tragedy in the is it, listen it is a tragedy listen every time we have something in it is a tragedy isn't it so letter a the enemy of david look at verse five and the king commanded joab 
and Abishai and Etai saying, Deal gently for my sake with the young man, even Absalom. And all the people heard when the king gave all the captains charge according to Absalom. So, folks, the greatest tragedy is when we have a family member as an enemy. David found out that his, his greatest enemy in that season of his life was no one else but his own son. Now, we know that David was a man of war. He was a man who had shed much blood. He was a man that could take care of himself. David had fought many battles. And every time, and every time he came out victorious, the Lord was with him in every battle that he faced. But I believe that David here finds himself in the greatest battles of all. What was the greatest battles? He was, he was going to battle against his own blood, his own son. Now imagine. Imagine if you are a father or a mother here tonight and you find yourself going to battle against your own blood. How would you feel? You imagine King David here. He knows his son is after him, after the throne of Israel, and he's going to the only way is to go fight back. And guess what happened? The other side of the line is somebody that he one day hold in his arms, hugged and kissed, and put him to bed. Like one of the little kids. That was his blood, his own son. I mean, I thought of that like, wow, that is hard. Even to think about my, my two boys, any of my daughter, to go against them. That is hard. I mean, we don't think of that, but I can't imagine the heart of David here when he cries, Absalom, Absalom. I mean, the heart of that father was crying out. So, his son wanted him killed, and of course he wanted, he wanted the throne. So how can you fight against someone that you love? How can you fight against a man that once was your little boy? How can you fight, fight against a man that you once hugged, kissed, and laid asleep? David was fighting the greatest battle of his life, I believe. A battle against his own son. The question is, how can a father fight a son like that? How can Believe me, when I look at this message, I'm putting myself in that position of David, in that perspective. How could I fight my own son? I wonder why David just took off. He didn't want the confrontation. So let it be the comfort of David, the comfort of David. Look at verse 1. And David numbered the people that were with him and set captains of thousands and captains of hundreds over them. And David set forth a third part of the people under the hand of Joab and the third part under the hand of Abishai and, uh, and in the, uh, another one it says the son and, and Joab's brother and the third part under the hand of Etai and the Gittite and the king said unto the people I will surely go forth with you myself also but the people answer thou shalt not go forth for if we flee away they will not, not care for you neither if half of us die they will care for us but now thou art worth 10,000 of us. Therefore now it is better that, that thou art secure, uh, secure us out of the city. Now, look at that. They said that, that David is worth about 10,000 of them. You see the, 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 the respect that they have for King David here. This is people that stuck to him and say, you stay back. We will fight the fight. That was comfort for the king. Why comfort, I would say? Because he didn't have to go to battle against his own son. Can you imagine? David pushes the sword, pulls the sword out, and one in front of him is his own son. What do you do? I think it would bring a little comfort to his heart, even though the situation is not the best. So, folks, when we face difficult moments like the one of David, it is good to have friends. 
who will go out their way to help us. It is good to have friends who will guide you, uh, guide you and comfort you and help you in that time of need. Again and again, we just keep going with this. Uh, the, the thing about friendships as we march into this. So David was in exile, but David had people who believed in him. That's the comfort of a friend who believes in you. You see, true friends don't just leave when you are going through difficult times. They stick with you. You follow that? They stick with you. They're there for you. When, when you go through hard times. So David, David's true loyal people did not abandon him. We looked last week about one that actually abandoned David. Is one of us high office persons there in the court. But these people right here, they stuck with David. David said, David, we believe you. You know we're in trouble. We're going to help you. And by the way, David, you stay home. We're going to take care of the situation. So David, David's true, friend, true and loyal uh, people didn't abandon him in this difficult time. They we're all there to protect their king. I had a, a young man at my job. He's a, he's a dear friend. He's not saved, but he's much younger than me. I'm like a father to him, to be honest with you. And I, well, it was few, good, a few years back. I was talking, and, and I said, uh, I don't know what I'm going to do. My back, my back tires are stuck in my van. They don't. They don't move. And he said, well, you, your brakes are locked. I said, how in the world am I going to get that car out of there? He goes, you need to just put new brakes. I said, I don't know how to put brakes in cars. He says, I go to your house on Saturday. I'm going to teach you. Well, remember, if you know where I live, I live in the North Carolina. This guy lives <laughs> South County, all the way down. Saturday morning, guess who's at my door? He's there. He asked me for information about that. He bought everything. The pads, the thing, you're iron. Jack up the car, change the brakes. I said, thank you. you want, I want to pay you. He goes, don't worry. I, I'm glad I could help. Oh, that's a friend. I, I mean, you know, we have different friends from different occasions. I understand that. But that was, that was a blessing. That was a blessing. And he, he even to today, one great kid. I mean, he's much younger than me. He's like, uh, he's my, I think he's a little younger than my son, Patrick. So he's like he, I treat him like almost like a father to him. And then, you know, I mean, actually, he doesn't have this dad passed away from cancer. But a good kid. But he, he drove all, I mean, that's, so sometimes friends do that. They go out of their way. You know, they need help. I'll go help you. You know, and right here we see David is a battle to fight. Is his own son right there. You know what the friends do? You stay home, David. We'll take care of it. What do you want us to do? We'll do it for you. But you stay here. What a comfort to his heart. You see, true friends don't just leave you when you are going through difficulties. They go there. They help you. Uh, uh, David, like I said, uh, loyal people didn't abandon him in this difficult time. They're there with him. So even with all of his pain, David offered uh, to go with him to the battle, but they didn't know. They said, you're not going, David. You stay here. So that was comforting to David to know that many of the people still uh, for him and believed in him. So David numbered his troops and divided them in, in three companies here and placed Joab, Abishai, and Etai uh, as the commanders. You see, it is always comforting to have the support of friends, believe me, and even family members when we go on through some hard times. It is, it is hard. When he, you know, I remember when, when my dad passed away, it was hard for me, very hard. We, my dad battled cancer, and we had to deal with that. But let me know, when you're in that down in life like that, and when you're hurting, and when you're discouraged, you know, and you have many questions in your mind, and you have the hand of a friend, or the word of a friend, 
And they sit next to you. Sometimes they just sit next to you and just silently they just sit there. Just a, it is a blessing. Believe me. So that David, in this moment, this difficult moment in his life, he found out that many people love him and care about him. You see, this was very hard time in David, a very hard time in David's life. David didn't want his army to fight his son. But Absalom had stood at the gate of Jerusalem in, uh, and attacked his father. We see this in 2 Samuel 15, 1-6. So now David stood at the city gate and instructed the soldiers to go easy in Absalom. So go easy on the kid. Go easy. He's not the heart of a father. He's not the heart of a father. Go easy on the kid. I know he's doing wrong, but go easy on him. So Absalom certainly wasn't been gentle with his father. He actually been really mean to his father. Look what he did. He had murdered his brother Ammon. He drove David, he drove David out of Jerusalem. He seized the throne of David. He, he violated David's concubines. Now he, he's out to kill his own father. So this guy is one thing after another. He's a rebellious son. So well, Absalom didn't sound to be, uh, didn't sound to be the, the kind of, of man that you want to protect. His actions were pure evil. And here we see the, the love of a father towards his son, even though he was that way. Let me put it this way. We read the, the story of the prodigal son. What did that son did to the father? Give me my inheritance, father. He went his ways, and he said he lived the way he wanted. He just wasted that money away. And when he came to the end of himself, he said, I'm going to go home, and that's my father, just to be one of his servants. Because he felt that what he he done wrong to his father. But you know what? Is the love of a father. Was that father hurt? Probably. Was that heart hurt? Yes. But when that son came home, that father said to him, go back to where you came from. Where is the money that I give you? He didn't ask him all those questions. You know what that father did? He hugged that son. And he embraced him. That's David here. Even though... Absalom did all that, or was doing all that, and one, he still loved his son. Now, but uh, you see, uh, Absalom, well, let me put it this way. Um, David is, uh, is at fault here, too, believe me, because he pampered his sons. We see this in 1 Kings. We will we'll get to that when we get to 1 Kings chapter 1, verse 5. And, of course, 2 Samuel 3, 13, he pampered his son. He got some to blame as, as how he raised his kids. Now, before we go... Uh, on to keep on criticizing David, we must remember that, uh, that every person is responsible for their own actions, regardless. I uh, say so we, we live in a day and age, uh, yeah, I, re, I said this the other day, we live in a day and age in which we say we, say we live in a world that I'm a victim, I'm a victim. Or I'm like this because that way, that's the way I was raised. It's my parents' fault. Well, you know, you can have the best parents in the world and still rebel. You can have the best education in the world and still rebel. You know, like, you know Let's put it like this, folks. There's no perfect parent. You follow that? There's no perfect parent. If I could go back, me as a, as a father, go back and start from the beginning and correct all my mistakes that I have done as a father. Because I've done quite of them. And some of them, my kids have appointed to me. If I could go back and refix it. But let me tell you this. No, there's no perfect father. But in the end, when they grow up and then they're on their own, they know right from wrong, and they can say, well, my mom and dad did this wrong. They have the right to do that, but let me tell you, whatever they do, they're responsible for it. 
Is I know sometimes that we parents, we try like, oh, maybe, maybe if I'd done it this way, maybe it turned out differently. Well, you know what? They, they can't hang around with the wrong crowd. And you know, they forget everything that you taught them. I've seen that happen. What happened to Absalom right here? Well, some things David didn't do right. But Absalom could have think, could think differently too. What he did, what he was doing, it was his own doing. So his son, Absalom, is totally guilty and responsible over his own, own actions. What happened? There's a tragedy here in the family. But I tell you what, I'm trying to say here is we all of us, we are responsible for the things that we do. It's not, it's not another person's fault. So number two, we see sad news in the family. So it is one sad news after sad news. So Absalom uh, was, the third, uh, uh, was the third son of King David uh, uh, by his wife, uh, Macha. Uh, so the bulk of Absalom's story is told in 2 Samuel 13 to 19. He had a strong influence in his father's reign, this, this young man. So a first record uh, event defining Absalom's life was involved evolving with his sister Tamar and a half-brother Amon. So Tamar's beautiful and Amon lost it after, after his sister. We know that and how he, he raped his sister. And, of course, she comes and lives with Absalom. His father does nothing about it. And, and he kind of brushed it out on the rug. And it was, of course, bitterness just became in the, the heart of this young man. And, of course, we know what happens in the future. He goes and kills Amon. And, of course, and he runs, runs away. So, you know, out of the fear of his father, Absalom runs to uh, Egypt where he stayed for three years. So during that time, the scripture says that David longed to go out to his son, but he never did. He never did. So actually it was David's general, Joab, who was ultimately responsible for bringing Absalom back to Jerusalem. So however, even then Absalom was not permitted to enter David's presence, but had to live in a house of his own. So I believe in some things right here we have to say that David made some mistakes as a father too here. I mean, he contributed for some of the things that he did, but ultimately, we're not, we can't say that was David's fault. No, it was Absalom was the one who did what he did. So unfortunately, this piece did not last here, possibly resenting his, father, uh, uh, his father's uh, uh, heresy to bring him home. Absalom began to uh, undermine David's rule. So he set himself as a judge in Jerusalem and gave out promises of what he would do if... They were, they were king. So he began to turn the heart of the people towards him. That's how he got a crowd. So the conspiracy uh, grew in number, and, and Absalom's followers began to follow him to the point that we see here in this chapter on which he is after the throne of David. So David got his servants and fled out of Jerusalem. And, of course, when we see what happens here, Absalom is after uh, the throne of Israel. And uh, something that he shouldn't do, but he did. So David... Take, uh, did not take part of the uh, counterattack, having been pursued by the generals to remain behind. He, was, he didn't go to, after Absalom. He did give, uh, but he gave instructions to the generals while out to deal with his son. And uh, a scripture makes a point that all the troops heard David's orders concerning Absalom. So, however, the orders were disobeyed. As Absalom was riding under some trees, his long hair became entangled in the branches, and he was on horse. And Joab found Absalom suspended in the midair and killed him there. Thus the rebellion was quenched and David returned to Jerusalem. So we see that Absalom lost his life here. Uh, letter A, we see the fall of Absalom. We see this from verse eight, 9 all the way to verse uh, 16. talks about how, I just kind of, kind of elaborate a little bit on that, how David, um, Absalom just falls here. 
So Absalom rebelled against his father, and for a period of time he went around getting as many people as he could to dethrone his father and to possess the throne of Israel. He wanted to be king by force. But one thing that Absalom forgot is that God was with David. God put David there. And let me tell you this. Uh, Absalom told you he could take God's men out of the throne. God was with David. But Absalom forgot about that. So the second mistake that Absalom made is that he, forget, he, that, he, that he forgot. He took for granted the men of war that his father had with him. David had great men of war, men who knew how to fight. So David was a man of war, and so was his man, and he knew how to take care of himself. So he look uh, at uh, life. If we, as we look at the life of David, we notice that the, uh, the, he had many battles, and of course, the Lord was with him in those battles. So Absalom, Absalom fell that day, and he fell hard. What I mean with that is he lost his life because of his rebellious heart. Folks, Absalom is an example of young men or young people who have left their homes to go to pursue a life of total rebellious. How many fathers out there and mothers are crying right now because their kids left home and their lives are a pure mess? Pure mess. They think that mom and dad are not good to them. So they're going in pursuit of a better way of life and make a mess out of their life. And some of them leave home because they hang with the, home, the wrong friends, the wrong crowds, and they make a mess out of their life. I want to know, we know little things about Absalom, why he, he turned so rebellious against his father. But I tell you what, even though today, how many even godly fathers and godly mothers, their kids rebel. They walk away from everything that they were thought. Absalom fell hard because of his rebellion. So folks, Absalom is an example, like I said, of many young people who have left their homes to go and pursue a life of total rebellion. And yes, many have heard, hurt themselves in the process, and others have lost their lives as a result of it. Folks, David made some serious mistakes, especially with his family. But David gives us a picture of every family. Every one of us makes mistakes, don't we? This is not a father that can stand up and say, I never made a mistake with my children. Every father has made mistakes. Sometimes uh, wrong words. Sometimes the wrong example. Sometimes whatever. We make mistakes. I have made not one, many of them, many mistakes. If I could go back and erase those mistakes or, or relive those mistakes so I can, could know better, do better. But you know, sometimes, you know, we become young parents and we don't know. We're learning as we go along. And, uh, and we, when we look back, uh, we, when we have the experience behind us, we say, oh, goodness, I could have done this and this. But, you know, it's a little late, you know, because we already lived those moments. We all live those moments. I mean, right now, I can, I can tell others, you know, younger people, oh, you don't want to do this. Because, you know what, I've been there. I made mistakes. But when you become a young parent and you don't know much, and how are we going to do this? I ain't going to do that. I remember the first time I had to change a diaper. <laughs> that was an adventure. <laughs> that was an adventure. How do you do this thing? And then you pick up the kid. <laughs> like, you know, it's learning curves, you know. And, uh, you know, you pick them up and the diaper falls. And you go, what happened here? It's supposed to go like this, you know, and put it to, and you pull it again, and it falls again. I'm like, something is not. Let me read, read, read the instructions here. I remember, I tell you folks, my wife used to work second shift. I work first. 
So we had, I had to take care, the kids over and I had to, you know, get them to home, feed them, uh, give them baths and put them to bed and change the diet. I had to do a little, oh goodness, that was not an easy thing. So how you wash these kids? <laughs> I was, so I, my wife will call me, give me the instructions uh, uh, to get the water, you know, you get the water this temperature, that, and I was like, it, it was all good, you know, it was all good until you have to do it, you know, it was a learning process, and uh, you put them in the water, and the kid was screaming, you go, why are you crying, you don't like the water, I mean, my skin is like a little thicker, so it felt like it was, maybe the water was too hot, I don't know, but, you know, those things that we learn, you know, <laughs> But anyway, David gave us a picture, like I said, of every family. And all of us make mistakes, have done great mistakes. So, and every one of us have done uh, our amount of mistakes. And, you know, sometimes, uh, believe me, I'll be honest with you, sometimes when these things come to mind, it's like, oh, goodness, it, it, I, I regret it. Like, why in the world I did that for? Yeah, but sometimes you know, we just made them those mistakes. Sometimes it was honest mistakes, you know. So, and we would... And we would love to go. I think all of us here would love to go back and fix things we have done in the past that we're not very proud of it. So a message to our young people here tonight. Don't rebel against the Lord. The young people that are in the sound room, right? Yeah. Don't rebel against the Lord. That's the wrong thing to do. Don't rebel against Him. What the Lord have done for you, for you to, I mean, what the Lord have done for you, for you to rebel against Him, or even any one of us. Why are we going to rebel against the Lord when the Lord has done nothing for us? The Lord has done, always does good stuff to us. The Lord has done nothing for us to rebel against Him. Don't rebel against your parents. Because, you know, uh, you might say, well, my parents are not as good as the, 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 the Jones next door. They're better parents than my parents are. Well, that's because you don't live there in the other side. You know? They make mistakes in the other side too. So don't rebel against your parents. Love them. And understand that you make mistakes too. <laughs> Your parents make mistakes and you make mistakes too. So remember that you make mistakes too and you are not perfect either. Forgive them and continue on forgiving them because they are, they are uh, in need of your forgiveness. So they make mistakes just like you do. And they will never be perfect just like Johnny's parents next door. You know, sometimes we think that people next door, they never make mistakes. But everybody makes mistakes. Give it to the Lord and live a life that brings glory to, to God. Honor God. Honor your parents. So what we see here, number one, a tragedy in the family. Number two, a sad news in the family. Number three, deep sorrow in the family. Look there in verse 31 or, or chapter 18. We read this in the beginning. It says, And behold, uh, Cushai came, and Cushai said, Tidings, my lord, the king, for the Lord had avenged thee this day of all them that rose against thee. And the king said unto Cushai, uh, Is the young man Absalom saved? And Cushai answered, The enemies of my lord the king, and all that rise against thee to do thee hurt, be as that young man is. Look what Cushai says here. Cushai is very cautious how he talks to David. David's heart is very concerned about his son because he fears the worst. Even though he gives the instructions, he fears the worst. He fears that his son might die in battle. And the first thing he asks, is Absalom okay? And look what he says. He says, he goes, he broads the answer and he says, all the enemies of the king are taken care of. He doesn't answer the king in that particular. He's very cautious about it. Sometimes, you know, folks, that's the way we have to talk 
to people. You know, sometimes they're not necessary. Say some things that we know is going to hurt people outright. So sometimes we have to be cautious and kind enough. We have to love people enough to, to talk like that. And we see right here, Cushai is very cautious because he knows that David is hurting. So folks, it is never easy for a father to lose a child. It don't matter how good or how bad that child has become. Yes, there are situations on which many parents don't care. We understand that. There are situations like that. It's a case of abortion. We understand that, but we're not talking about that tonight. We're talking about a godly man who made a mistake, such as David, who has, and who was paying uh, with a very high price for it. We're talking about a son who totally rebelled against his father to the point of wanting his father even dead if it had to be. So that rebellion is, is that we see that rebellion is at the core right here. But I tell you what, it's never easy. So let us we see the cry of a broken heart. Look, what's, look at verse 33. And the king was much moved. I mean, he was, his emotions were very high right here. And went up to his chamber over the gate and wept. You see, David, when he heard the news that victory, he won. The, 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 his enemies were, were, uh, were overtaken. And, you know, that's a time of celebration. David had nothing to celebrate here. He goes to his chamber, and you know what he does? He wept. He cries, and the Bible says, And he went thus, he said, O oh, my son Absalom, my son Absalom, would God I that I died for thee. O oh, Absalom, my son. See, even as rebellious as this son became, David said, as I Absalom, I would die for you. Wow. I had a sweet moment with my mother. When I told my mother that I was diagnosed with cancer, my mother said to me, my mother, you see, I grew up like this. In my home, my parents would never say, I love you. That's something I never heard from the mouth of my parents. That's just like the way we were brought. I don't doubt that my parents don't, they love me. I know that. But it was never you came out of their mouths. You know, I'm, I mean, I say to my kids all the time, even my daughter today, I just sent her a text. I said, I love you. You know, just she came to mind. I prayed for her, and I say, I loved you. And I had a big heart coming back to me. I love you too, Daddy. You know, but I, we, I raised my kids that way. My parents are different. But when I told my mom, told my mom that I was diagnosed with cancer, and immediately, I mean, she's a very unhealthy lady, sick, I understand. But she began to cry. She was just, because her husband died of cancer, and she was crying, and she looked at me and said, if I could take your cancer, I would. And she was just broken crying. That's David here. David's saying right here, Absalom, I would die for you. I didn't want you to die. I would die for you if I could. That is the heart of David right here. So David's anguish arose in part from guilt, but in part also because of the pain that he had in his heart. He knew that his own... I knew his own dark side had fed Absalom's schemings away in many ways. He knew his own, uh, what he had done. Maybe he did, was not the right father that he should have been to Absalom. However, he did not let Absalom off the hook. His behavior was not entirely his father's fault. Parents have a significant influence over, all, over their children. Absolutely. But they are, are not uh, uh, responsible for their actions when they become adults. No, they do, they, they're responsible for their own actions. But we see right here is the crying of a parent. So our parents had 
character flaws and make mistakes, but we have a choice whether or not to repeat them. You follow that? Listen, my dad he was a heavy alcoholic. All right? That was my dad. In my teenagers, I put it like this, and I'm not ashamed to say that, believe me. I love my dad. But from my, I'd say, 9 to my 19 years old, my dad and I was like this apart. Because my dad was just always in a bottle, always drinking. It was nothing, no example for me. But listen, he, he got very sick. He stopped drinking. And then for over 20 years, he wouldn't drink a drop. He became the man that I always desired, the father that I always wanted. But let me tell you this. But because my father became an alcoholic, it, it doesn't mean that I have to become one too. You follow that? That would be my decision because when I open my mouth and put the bottle in, that's my choice. Just because we say, oh, we're influenced by our parents if we allow that to. Because we know what is right and wrong, don't we? If I know my, my father my mother is something wrong, I know that what they do is wrong. If I do it, it's because I want to. So it's always a choice. So if only, if only they could have done something different, perhaps, but not necessarily. There are many influences uh, in our lives that our parents give to us. Of course, we're influenced by our parents in many different ways. But our actions are for not us to blame them. So Absalom's things right here is not to blame on David. So each person must choose which path of life to take. I mean, I heard many preachers preach, and I'm not here to turn to tr- preachers down, and I understood their messages, is that sometimes, you know, we, oh, it's David's fault, it's David's fault. Oh, well, yeah, in a way it was, but in the other way, he made a choice. The kids made a choice to act like that. So David's headache was particularly rooted in his guilt and grief in something else, his love for his son. He loved his children. The way David is crying here, there was no doubt that David loved his, his, his son. So despite his rebellious son trying to do to do it to him, and David never stopped loving him. So this is a story of the entire Bible. God loves us even when we are unlovable. God loves us even when we rebel. God loves us even when we nail Jesus to the cross. Like David, God is brokenhearted because God has such high hopes for us and knows we can do better than that. So when we rebel against the Lord, the Lord knows that we can do better. The Bible actually says that we grieve the Spirit of God when we rebel against God. So let it be, we see the efforts, the, the effects of a broken heart. Folks, when we have a broken heart, it not, not only affects us, but also affects others around us as well. The physical appearance, our body language, our our great uh, our great communicators of what is going inside of our hearts. Sometimes we say we say to people, "Hey, how you doing? I'm doing good. How you doing? I'm doing good." I today was an example. My uh, one of my coworkers walked in. He took so long with me. I said, "Hey, how you doing, Brian? I'm doing good." I look at him. I said, "Hey, if you want to talk about it, it's okay, but I know you're not doing good." He goes, "How you know I'm not doing good?" So your face tells me that you have a big problem as big as that's tomorrow. And you're walking like somebody who was very uh, burned about something. He goes, yeah, you're right. How do you know that? Your body language is telling me that. <laughs> I can see it. So but <laughs> he didn't say, you know, he didn't talk to me about it because he, he, he didn't want to talk. And I, I respect his privacy. But you can see, you can tell, you can see it. So physical appearance, our body language are, are great communicators of what is going on inside of our hearts. 
people do take notice of that. I know that we don't want to, to be uh, to, to be neither. Uh, no, uh, we don't want people to know what's going on with our lives. Many times, hey, I understand that. We don't want others to know what's going on with our lives. But many times, it's almost impossible to hide the deep pain of our hearts. So, was David hurting? Yes. Could David hide? He could no longer hold it in. So he went to his chamber and he cried. But his cry got, was so emotional, there was a lot of hurt in his heart, that became so loud that everybody heard. That's what happened there. Everybody heard. Didn't Joseph did that in the Old Testament too? Before, with his brothers, he went and he couldn't hold himself and he excused himself and he hide. He began to cry and his cry got so loud that everybody heard him crying. Sometimes we get like that. So we don't have to tell anyone what's going on with our lives. It simply expresses itself in the way we present ourselves. And a lot of times, even our body motions speaks a lot. So David lost his son Absalom, and he could not contain the deep sorrow of his heart. For sure he loved his son. Folks, his sorrow was so deep, so painful, that victory turned into shame in the eyes of his own soldiers. In Israel, in Israel that day was not a day of celebration. It was a day of shame. Everybody went home with their heads down because the king was crying. There was no reason to be joyful because the king was hurting. There was no reason there. I tell you folks, I, I conclude with this. Life is made of seasons. And uh, in every season of life, there's obstacles that we face. There are times of joy, gratitude, and friends and family, but there are times like here, David. David go to a season of intense pain. I think, to be honest with you, I think that's the greatest battle that David had to fight. Besides Goliath, I mean, we all know that we talk about David, Goliath comes right along. What about David and Absalom fighting, uh, uh, go to the battle with his own son? That was, to me, the way we see David crying here is the greatest battle that David ever faced. Go to battle with his own blood, with his own son. Can you imagine? Well, think about it. I, I close with this. Think about it. The one that you saw being born, the one that you fed and carry and change the diapers, the one that you help and play and, 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 and help uh, grow up and you see them grow and turn into a young man, the one that you were there the whole time, now is in, in war against you. What do you do? Can you see, you see the pain of David? Well, we're not going to conclude in, uh, in a joyful way. <laughs> this is, uh, this is uh, sad news. Uh, sometimes, like I said, it's just sad news. We will get a better perspective when we go to the next chapter next week. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, so much for this passage of Scripture. And Lord, there are seasons in life.